Good morning. Oh, I'm so glad that you could be at Central Church today. It's been a great day already. Let me remind you again, right after this service, there's a reception for Pastor Joey and Stephanie, and so over at the Peak Building, um, and so you can uh, welcome him and say, say good things to him following this service. Tonight is our celebration of Upwards. They just finished their season yesterday, and so tonight at 6 o'clock, if you want to come back, you don't have to have kids or grandkids that played basketball or were cheerleading, you can just come and, and cheer them all on tonight. That's at 6 o'clock right here in this room. I didn't, I didn't um, uh, 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 campaign for this. I didn't hire lobbyists to, to you know, push my name forward for this. It was quite an honor that I received this weekend that I wanted to share with you. Uh, I've discovered that there are 750 million grandfathers in the world today. There are 35 million grandfathers in the United States of America. Again, I did not promote this. I did not ask, but apparently I'm the world's best grandpa. I have no experience. I have no idea what's coming, but that's the, my... My son gave that to, here, they were here this weekend. Carla had to take them to the airport this morning, but ah, these days waiting to be grandpa. Oh my goodness, I don't know what that's gonna mean. We are, we are in a sermon series called Fruitful, talking about having a fruitful life. And of course, we're looking at Galatians chapter five, the fruit of the spirit. And we're, we've already done love, peace, love, joy, peace, patience last week. Pastor Amanda preached a great sermon. Wow, on patience. That was powerful and good. And, and today we're up to kindness. We've talked about these uh, attributes, that there's only one, the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, and that these aren't something that you just grit your teeth and say, all right, I'm going to be more loving if it kills me. That's not it. Instead, what these fruit of the Spirit are or is, is the evidence of what God is already doing in your life. It's the evidence of, of seeking after God and seeking after His Spirit and His Spirit in filling us and empowering us and enabling us to live a godly, Christ-like life. We say all the time, we want to be like Jesus, right? That's the goal. We want to be like Jesus. Well, how can I be like Jesus? It's the Holy Spirit in filling us, enabling us, empowering us to live a holy life. It's God Almighty calling us to be like Jesus and the Holy Spirit enabling us and empowering us to do that. Amen. Now, if you're a theologian, you'll say, wow, he was very Trinitarian right there. I was. God Almighty's provenient grace reaching out to you so that you might, might discover, I want to be like Jesus and the Holy Spirit then coming in and empowering us and enabling us through this fruitful life to be more and more like Jesus. These, these fruit of the Spirit are really the attributes of God Almighty himself. And so as we, as we are living in the Spirit, in step with the Spirit, all the things that Paul is talking about in Galatians 5, that's how we become more and more and more and more like Jesus, the fruitful life. But don't take that to mean the easy life. It's not always a bowl of cherries. It's not always peaches and cream. It's not all, you may not always be the apple of someone's eye. I'm trying to find every idiom I can with fruit. It's saying it's the faithful life. It's the life that Jesus calls us to. It's, it's the life of the Spirit. And today we're up to kindness. Oh, compared to the heavy hitters that we've already had, love, 
joy, peace, patience. Those are powerful. Kindness. It's kind of mamby-pamby. Kindness. Okay, kindness. If I was preaching this sermon, I don't know, 20 years ago, it'd be very different. Before you were born, if I was preaching this sermon, I, you know, I'd say, you know what? Most of us are pretty kind. You know, we open the door for old ladies. We smile at babies. We, we're cordial. We're, we're nice. You know, good job, everybody. We're all kind. Let's, you know, beat the Baptist to the restaurant and hooray we go. <laughs> but it's not quite like that anymore, is it? You know, you know it. You don't need me to tell you. People aren't, people aren't as kind as they used to be. Just, just, just pick a topic. You know, it might be education. It, oh my goodness, politics, human sexuality, religion. Oh, everybody's got, and, 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 and people aren't always kind. It seems like wisdom and kindness are countercultural characteristics anymore. We have a lot of information, not a lot of wisdom. We have access to the facts. You know, just Google it, Google it, Google it. How do you think I found out that there were 750 million grandfathers in the world? Google it, Google it, Google it. We have a lot of facts, but not a lot of truth. Our news feeds are filled with cutting words designed to build an audience instead of, instead of words designed to make friends and to be the best neighbors. Why is that? All of us have lost, you know, Facebook friends or Instagram. People have unfollowed us or whatever, whatever, whatever. It's all happened. Kindness, it seems to be missing. You know, the Church of the Nazarene has a statement on, on social media. I don't know if you knew that. It's the very last paragraph in the manual. The very last, last, last words in the manual are the words up there on the screen. The use of, it's not even that list. The use of Social media, first and foremost, the content that we share should be respectful. As in all personal relationships, we believe that the content of our social media should also be a reflection of the sanctified hearts for which we strive. Clergy and laity alike must be mindful of how their activities on social media affect the image of Christ and his church and the impact its mission within their communities. Our activities should be life-giving, affirming, and should seek to uplift... Just about everybody? No, it says all persons. It's saying, saying we should be kind. Amen. Whether, the, whether, that's, whether that's on social media or whether that's at your workplace or school, we're talking kindness this morning. And, and Jesus, while he was, I don't think he had an Instagram account. I don't believe he used TikTok ever. But he did say this in Matthew 15. But the things that come out of a person's mouth comes from the heart. The things that come out of a person's keyboard comes from the heart. The things that come out of a person's Instagram account come from the heart. And these devile them, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts and murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Out of our mouths, out of our keyboards, it reflects our heart. No matter who's residing at the White House, no matter who your neighbor votes for, no matter who your coworker or how your coworker, uh, what they value, what they embrace, we are still called to be kind. 
Now, 20 years ago, I don't know that I had to do, you know, 20 years ago, I'd just say, hey, don't be rude. And I'd share a story about how some lady was, was mean to Winston Churchill and said, said you know, was just mean, 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 mean. And, and in her British accent said, you know, if, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea. To which, that was my best English accent. We need Deirdre Brower back up here. And Winston Churchill was supposedly said, if you were my wife, dear lady, I'd drink it. Um, <laughs> so 20 years ago, I'd say, don't be like that lady. We're supposed to be kind. And, but the kindness that we're talking about today, this biblical kindness, it's not simply niceness. It's not simply politeness. It is, it is not just some surface sort of, okay, I'll be nice. It's, it's much deeper than that, than surface kindness. It's an expression. What are we talking about? The fruit of the Spirit. It's an expression of the Holy Spirit in filling us, empowering us, enabling us to, to be kind, which overflows then on the people that we encounter. You see, again, these are the attributes of God. The Bible tells us repeatedly that God is kind. Jeremiah chapter 9 Says, says these words, if I can flip my Bible to it. It does not want to flip. There it goes. For I am the Lord who exercises kindness. Psalm 136, one, it can be translated this way. For thanks, give thanks to the Lord, for he is kind. His love endures forever. Romans 2. Romans 2 says this. God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God's kindness, that's powerful kindness then. We're talking about God's kindness. Really what we're talking about here is God's prevenient grace. That's how we refer it theologically. God's grace that reaches out to you before you even know him, before you're even aware of his presence. God's grace, God's kindness, God's love, God's mercy that reaches out to you when you are far, far, far from him. That's God's kindness. Our God is exudes kindness and it's not those those things that happen as god's provenient grace reach out to you they're not lucky they're not uh lucky happenstance we christians don't believe in lucky when people say oh man that was lucky the theological response to that this is very deep very profound is baloney you know it's not luck it's God's working, God's grace, God's mercy, God's, God's happening in your lives. We serve an incredibly kind God. And guess what? Here's the best news. We're the beneficiaries of that kindness. You and me. What did we do to deserve that kindness? Nothing. <laughs> and yet we're the beneficiaries of his kindness. Where would we be without Jesus? Seriously. Where would you be without Jesus? You know, I, I had a brain hemorrhage for crying out loud. 50% of the people that have it die. Where would I be without Jesus? Where would we be without his love and kindness? Where would we be without his mercy being poured out to us over and over again? We have been the recipients of God's great kindness. And what Paul says in response to that then is in Ephesians chapter 4, where he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. There's action involved in that kindness. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Uh, allow that kindness to, 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 to 
to bubble over. Again, this is more than politeness. This is more than just nicety. This is more than just opening a door for, for an older lady or smiling at a baby. This is world-changing, life-changing. It's kindness that leads to repentance, kindness that leads to salvation. That's what we're talking about. Imagine what would happen if you were kind to that, you know, just the, the, the biggest jerk in your school. I'm not saying fake, fake kindness. I'm saying if God opens that door, and you just had a kind word to say to them. Imagine what would happen if in your workplace, that person that bothers everyone, again, not fake, not phony, but just as God opens the door, you display kindness. Well, that'd be world, it's not world changing. Well, maybe not, but maybe. Kindness that leads to repentance. Kindness that leads to repentance. Here's how it works. When you were far from God, his prevenient grace reached out to you. You didn't even know it. God's grace was reaching out to you through the kindness, through the working of other individuals, lucky, not lucky, it's God, God's kindness reached out to you. And in that, you turned to God Almighty and you said, yeah, I wanna serve you, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna follow after you. And so God comes into your life and the Holy Spirit, we call that initial sanctification, the Holy Spirit comes into you and you're drawing closer and closer to him and more of God's Spirit is poured into you and as that is, you bubble over, you overflow these fruit of the Spirit, they're evident in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, flushes over to someone else who guess what is far from God you're being used by God in his his grand scheme kindness leads to repentance of seeing others and it goes on and on and on and on do you see that God's kindness at work here's the principle that's a word God is in the business of strategically positioning us at the right place at the right time to display his kindness. God is in the business of strategically placing you and me at the exact right place, at the exact right time to make a difference. We're talking about divine appointments. We believe that divine appointments are, are where God's, where the world's great needs are intersected with God's great kindness. And he uses people, people just like you and me, to see that accomplished. It's, it's, it's the Good Samaritan story. We know the Good Samaritan story. If you don't know the Good Samaritan story, here's the Reader's Digest version. A guy's going to Jericho, uh, gets beat up. Two people pass him by. They just skip on by. And this other guy, happens to be a Samaritan, comes by, helps the guy, leads him, takes him to the end, t- promises to take care of him. Good Samaritan kindness. God is in the position of strategically pacing us at the right place, right time to make a difference. Imagine, if that, if that good Samaritan had left, I don't know, an hour before, we would have missed the guy. If he, if he left an hour, maybe a day later, maybe the guy would have died, who knows? Strategically placing us, right place, right time, to make a difference. And this kindness, this good Samaritan type of kindness, it begins by seeing, it, it, it shows up by just showing up, and then it leads to action. Let me read it, we, we know this story, it's in Luke chapter 10, but I'll read it for us. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine, and then he... He put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This kindness begins by seeing, begins by vision, begins by having God's eyes being replaced, your eyes being replaced by God's eyes. You know, the priest, he came by, saw the gory scene, saw the evidence of violence, saw all the the things that happen when someone has been victimized, saw all that, kept on walking. Likewise, the Levite, probably a priest in training, came on by, saw the scene, saw the problem, saw the trouble, kept on walking. But the Samaritan came and saw the guy. Saw the guy lying in the dirt, in the mud, the victim of a crime. And he did something about it. So the question is, did the, did the priest and the Levite really see the man? Oh, they saw the gore, they saw the blood, they saw the, you know, the aftermath of, of violence. But did they see the child of God that was, that was lying in the dirt? Kindness begins by seeing. Begins by looking and seeing and seeing those needs around you. Probably one of my biggest heroes is a guy by the name of Gary Morsh. I've, I've talked about him, I think, probably in the past. Gary Morsh is a doctor. Hasn't really practiced much the last 20 years or so. But I was a doctor and um, would go on work and witness trips, kind of like what we do. You know, we have a medical trip coming up in April. And he would go on such trips, and then he would come back on those trips, and he would talk to uh, people like at the Kiwanis Club or the Lions Club or stuff like that and telling about his experiences on these short-term little mission trips. Well, after one of those talks, I think it was at a Kiwanis Club in Olathe, Kansas, where I used to live, uh, he got talking with some other people, and it was, it was after Chernobyl. This was in 1991. So the Soviet Union was still considered kind of the evil empire. The, the Berlin Wall had come down about 14 months prior. And he was talking to them, and, and these doctors said, you know, we should maybe do something for Chernobyl, the terrible nuclear disaster. And so Gary Morsch and a couple of others went to Chernobyl to see how they might help the doctors in Chernobyl. And he got there, and what he saw was just horrific. The, the Soviet uh, medical system was in shambles. It was in total crisis. And he went to hospital after hospital, and they didn't have any medical supplies. The doctors were there, but they had no way to treat any of the patients. And, and Gary saw all this. And he came back. He said, we got we to do something. And so he, he got Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts to have spaghetti dinners so they could raise money to buy over-the-counter medicines that we take for granted. And he started doing that, and he thought, no, this has got to be bigger than, than just having, you know, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts raising a little bit of money. He went to some pharmaceutical companies and said, listen, we need to have some medicines to go and help these people. And then he got his then-senator, Bob Dole, senator of Kansas. Senator Dole got a, a cargo plane, a military cargo plane that was going to fly into the Soviet Union with these medical supplies. And it all happened. And so he, he, his whole idea, Gary Morse's whole idea was from the heartland of America, Kansas, to the heartland of the Soviet Union, they were going to, to do this. And they did it, and, and that plane went off, and there was $5 million worth of medical supplies on that plane. And from that first flight over to Chernobyl, Dr. Morse has then started an organization called Heart to Heart International. And I just got on their website. They've been in, I think it's 131 countries 
airlifted medical supplies totaling since 1991, totaling $2.9 billion worth of medical supplies, have had 1.1 million hours of volunteer hours served. And it all happened when one guy shows up and looks around and sees the need. Listen, my brothers and sisters, there are needs all around here. You don't have to go to Chernobyl. You don't have to go to Indonesia like Jessica. You don't have to go. There's needs all around here. In fact, I got, I got looking. You know, most of us live in Genesee County. And, and so I, I looked on the website concerning our county. Now, some live in Lapeer. Some of you live in Lapeer County. Some live in Saginaw. Some live in Livingston. I get it. Most of us live in, Le, in Genesee County. In Genesee County, there are 407,875 people. That's our neighbors. We talk about neighbors. That's our neighbors. 407,875 people. Of those... 16.6 of us live below the poverty line. That means 1.1 out of six of our neighbors live below the poverty line. One out of six. 20.1% of Genesee County folks receive food stamp assistance. That means one out of five of our neighbors are getting food stamps. 24.4% of us are considered Alice. That's a tool developed by the UN to describe working poor. So one out of four of our neighbors in Genesee County are considered working poor. 30.1% live in single parent homes. That means one out of three of our neighbors don't have a mom or dad in their home. You think that affects people? You think those numbers have an influence on people? We need to look around. We, one of our, what is our goals here as a church? We have three core commitments, right? Uh, Jesus changes everything. We believe that. We work better together. I can't, help, I can't help all these folks on my own. No, we need to be, we're better together. And three, what's the third one? Be the best neighbor. You don't have to go to Chernobyl. You don't have to go to Indonesia. You can be the best neighbor right here. Amen. God is in the position of strategically positioning us at the right place, at the right time, to share his kindness. God has placed you at the right place, at the right time, to make a difference for his glory. It's not an accident. It's not happenstance. It's the great kindness of God, the prevenient grace of God that goes before us, goes before our neighbors to share his love. There's a matter of, of seeing those needs and there's a matter of showing up. It's 11.51. I wish I didn't have to share this story, but I guess I will. I shared it in the first service, so you get it too. Uh, years ago, I was, um, it was when I was pastoring Richfield, Mount Morrison Irish Road. I had been to see somebody at Genesis Hospital and I had to go to McLaren. It was one of those days, I was super busy. You know, I didn't have time to go to Genesis, let alone to McLaren, and it was just busy, 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 busy. And so I came rushing out of Genesis Hospital to run into my car. And if you know where the clergy parking is, it's just right there. And so I was, I mean, I was almost in a sprint. But as I came out of the hospital, there was a lady and she was 
visibly distressed. She was crying. She was very visibly upset. And I, and I ran to my car, ran past her, got in my car, and started down the highway, came 475, and I was just getting, just getting on the highway. And I remember, I remember saying, Lord, you've got to help that lady back at Genesis. She was crying outside the door. I don't know her story. I don't know her situation. Lord, Lord, would you help that lady outside of Genesis? And clear as day, if I've ever heard God speaking to me, it was that day in that Chevy Impala when God said, Rob, you were just at Genesis. Why didn't you help that lady? I remember getting off Hill Road at the Hill Road exit on 475, making a loop, coming back on, got back on 475, 75, up to Holly Road, over to Genesis Hospital, and she was gone. And I remember thinking, Lord, I so blew it. I am so sorry. God places us, places people in our way to make a difference for his glory. Strategically, right place, right time to make a difference in someone's life. Kindness, someone said, was love in action. I think that's true. It's love in action. It's, it's seeing the needs, showing up, making a difference. Somebody just this morning showed me their, their granddaughter came up and said, hey, Grandpa, you got any money? This is just this morning, just before this service. And he opened up his wallet. He didn't have any money. And he said, Pastor, I gave it all. Some guy was, needed some food when I stopped for gas. And I gave it. I said, man, you're, you're the sermon this morning. I ought to bring you up here. God places people in our way to make a difference. At your school, in your workplace, there are hurting people all around. We need to have God's eyes, God's vision. John Wesley, our theological forebear, he said this, said, he was said to be one of the kindest men, not only a great theologian, great preacher, but this was his rule of life. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. Could we do that? It's allowing the kindness of God to overflow onto the people we come in contact with. The early church had a problem and the problem was, it related to, to kindness. The word in Greek for kindness is krestos. If you spell it in English, it's C-H-R-E-S-T-O, krestos. And, and the word for Christ is Christos, C-H-R-I-S-T-O. So krestos, Christos. So you can imagine how people could kind of get that confused. You know, it sounds similar, krestos, Christos. If they had Pastor Joey's uh, uh, accent, they'd never get it right. You know, it'd just be whatever. And so they were confused by that, and they said, now, are you living and dying for this guy, Christos, Christ, or is this a, rela a religion based on Christos, kindness? And those early Christians said, yep, that's who we are. We are living and dying for Christ, who calls us into a life of kindness. Christos and Christos. It's this good Samaritan Holy Spirit inspired and filled, enabled, infused life is what we're talking about. I got thinking about that Good Samaritan ending. You know, Jesus doesn't put an end to it. He just says the guy goes away, says I'm going to pay for it the rest of the time, whatever needed. I got thinking about that guy. You know, maybe he got clunked on the head and he came to, you know, in the Jericho Hampton Inn. And he's like, 
how in the world did I get to the Jericho Hampton Inn? And the innkeeper said, well, I'll tell you how. Uh, apparently, you were beaten up on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And apparently, uh, uh, this guy came and he bandaged you up and you know you're kind of a big guy so I don't know how he flopped you on his donkey but he sure did he flopped you on his donkey and he got you here and he wasn't a doctor because he wrapped up your bandages but he thought that you know uh, wine and oil is going to do the trick it really wasn't but he, he did his best and he got you here and apparently apparently there was there was some other guys that passed you by but but he got you here and get this get this get this he was a Samaritan which, if you remember, Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. And the guy said, well, I don't care who he was or what he was. Man, without him, I wouldn't be here today. Is that what you're telling me? And the innkeeper said, that's exactly right. You can be thankful that that good Samaritan came your way. I guess maybe this sermon, the conclusion is, maybe God's going to place some people in your way. He's going to strategically place you to make a difference. Maybe that'll be, you know, here in your workplace or at your school. Maybe it'll be on one of our mission trips. You know, we've got three coming up to Panama. The one in August or April is full and we're ready to roll. But there's another one in August, a work trip, and one in, in September, another medical trip. Those are good things. And even those short-term mission trips, those are great experiences. But maybe it's just in your school. Maybe God's just going to open up the door somehow this week for you to be kind or show kindness. And you'll think, oh yeah, Pastor, I'll preach on kindness and Good Samaritan. I guess I better help out. Or maybe, maybe there's some folks here, you'd say, you know, Pastor, I don't identify with the Good Samaritan so much. I identify with the guy that got beat up because the world's been beating me up lately. And I'm pretty tired and worn out. And here I am. Remember what we said about luck and happenstance? I don't think it's lucky chance that you are in church today, March 5th, 2023, at Central Church. I believe that God's prevenient grace, his love and mercy and kindness is being poured out even now. And you know, on, on the first Sunday of the month, we always participate in communion. A little bit of bread, a little bit of juice. I already broke my bread. I guess that's okay. And this bread and juice, it's a reminder. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see, again, could be translated, taste and see that the Lord is kind. That kindness that leads to salvation, that kindness that leads to repentance. It's a reminder that every single person you know Jesus came for. We're called, do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? We're remembering the great kindness of God that was lavished upon us, that we are the great beneficiaries of his great love. And so as we eat this little bit of bread, remember that by Jesus' wounds we are healed, that we can trust him in his loving kindness. Eat this and rejoice. And this little bit of juice, it's a reminder of God's precious love. Every single person you know is a recipient of God's grace, his prevenient grace. There's not a person that you will see that God doesn't love. That biggest jerk at your workplace, that worst person, kid, whatever, at your school, Jesus loves them. 
And Jesus just might use you and me, people like you and me, to share his kindness with them. I don't know how. I don't know. You know, we, we don't barge in. Let God open the doors. But wouldn't it be awesome to see them come to know Jesus? Kindness leads to repentance. Wouldn't it be awesome if God used you to make a difference in someone's life? Wouldn't it be awesome on the day we're all in heaven and we're talking about, you know, how did you get here? I got here because Shirley told me about Jesus. I got here because Jessica went to Indonesia. I got here because somebody at my high school shared Jesus' love. That's what we're talking about. Praise his name. Jesus loves you and his blood was shed for you. Drink this and rejoice. Lord, we are so thankful for your loving kindness. We didn't deserve your mercy. We didn't deserve your grace. But we are, the, we are the beneficiaries of such things. And Lord, you have strategically placed us to make a difference. You have strategically placed us right place, right time. We're living in Genesee County. We've got a lot of neighbors that need you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us for your glory. Use us individually. Use us as a church. We want to see people come to know you. We want to see those people share with their friends about you. We want this whole, this whole county transformed by the love and power of Jesus Christ. And we believe you're up to something, Lord. And so we're looking forward to seeing what you have in store. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Be with us. Bless again Joey and Stephanie. We love them. And Lord, we're thankful for them. Bless our time with them. And bring us back tonight as we celebrate with our upwards, folks. In your name we pray. Amen.